0: Canon teases an impressive firmware update to improve the eye-detect autofocus in the EOS R and RP, here comes some new Canon mirrorless lenses, Sony unveils two new flagship crop body cameras, and Samyang launches an ultra-compact 18mm lens for Sony E-mount. All of this on episode 34 of the Liam Photography Podcast. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 34. I want to take a moment to thank all my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on in iTunes or anywhere else that you might listen to your podcast, which includes Google, uh, Google Play as well as Spotify, and as of a month ago, Radio.com. And we want to, of course, thank the good folks at Radio.com for adding this show to their library. I'd appreciate it also if all of my listeners would take the time to share the link to the show and ask your friends and family members to give it a listen. Give it a five-star review if you don't mind, or leave some comments. You can also join the Facebook group. I'll talk about more about the Facebook group at the tail end of the show. So, the first thing I want to talk about in this week's episode, Canon Tease's impressive firmware update with improved AF for the EOS R and RP to be released soon. While Canon's RF lenses had met with general acclaim, many photographers have been clamoring for a more professionally oriented E-mount body from the company. While that camera has not been announced yet, the firmware update recently teased by Canon seems to show a major improvement in autofocus performance on the way for both the EOS R and the EOS RP. The video posted by Canon shows side-by-side comparisons of autofocus performance with the new and the old firmware versions, and seems to show major improvements in speed, accuracy, accuracy, and usability. In particular, iDetect autofocus appears to have been improved quite a bit, now working at much further distances and holding focus more strongly as opposed to the old firmware, in which the subject had to be very close to the camera in order for it to activate tracking also seems to have been made, have made great strides. Unfortunately, sports and wildlife photographers will still have to contend with the EOS R's middling continuous shooting rate of 5 frames per second with continuous autofocus. But, for the people like wedding photographers, it's surely a welcome improvement. For the sports and wildlife crowd, it's good to see the autofocus performance moving forward nonetheless, knowing that these improvements will make their way into the upcoming professional level, R body. Now, as I mentioned in previous episodes of this show, uh, I have no doubt that Canon's going to be releasing an EOS R professional body at, at some point in the near future. I have a feeling it may be coming at the tail end of this year, if not by the end of 2019, certainly by early 2020. Now, if you remember, as I also mentioned in previous episodes, I don't believe Canon's going to release uh, a re- an R replacement for their 1DX, especially since they've already announced a 1DX Mark III that will be released the first part of 2020 in time for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Now, more, more than likely, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, the first professional body they're going to release will be something along the lines of an EOS RS. And the reason why I say that is I believe the first professional body they're going to release is going to be a direct replacement for the current uh, 5DS and 5DSR. Um, and as I mentioned before, I have the SR. Absolutely love that camera. And I believe that's going to be the first professional body that Canon's going to release. I believe it's going to have dual card slots. I'm hoping that they will make both the card slots SD, and it'd be really nice if they would make them both UHS too. As as people have mentioned before with other camera manufacturers like Sony, why in God's name would you put two SD card slots in a single full frame body and make one of them UHS-1 and the other one UHS-2? It defeats the purpose. I mean, the reason why people want dual card slots is for redundancy when they're shooting in the event that they have a memory card failure. By making one of the card slots UHS-2 and the other one UHS-1, you're basically hamstringing the photographer because the uhs 2 slot is only going to record as fast as the uhs one slot. That's just the nature of the beast. That's how technology works. So, if you're writing to both card slots at the same time, it's only going to write as fast as the slowest card slot. Now, according to recent information, the newest uh, Sony body, uh, which I believe is the A7 III, Oh, no, wait, no, the A7R4, that's right, that was the newest one. That one now has two UHS-II SD card slots. Canon would be smart to follow suit on this, and I'm hoping that they do. I'm hoping that they listen to what their users want, what what their customers want. It's hard to tell, though. Canon's never been overly known for listening to their customers. They tend to like to do things their own way old-world Japanese thinking, I believe. A lot of people have speculated that's the reason, although it is interesting because Sony's a Japanese company as well, and yet they tend to listen to their customers and give their customers exactly what they ask for. So, we'll have to wait and see what happens as far as a pro body. Uh, Again, I believe the EOS RS will be the first pro body that Canon releases. I don't know if they're actually going to call it that or not, and I predict it's probably going to have a 75 or 100 megapixel sensor, because Canon's not about to be outdone by Sony's newest camera that has a 60, 60 or 61 megapixel sensor. Yeah. Canon's not going to let that slide. They're known for being the king of sensor size, so, as far as megapixels, so I'm sure they're going to retake the crown soon. Now, I did watch this video, and I'll share a link to it in the show notes for this episode of the side-by-side comparison of the current firmware versus the new firmware that they're going to be releasing sometime in the near future. The new firmware looks absolutely amazing. The eye detect autofocus does work a heck of a lot better than it does right now, especially when it comes to the distance between the subject and the camera. So I'm really excited about that. And again, that's one of the things I really do love about mirrorless cameras is the fact that the manufacturer can release a major firmware update that basically revamps the whole camera for you. Uh, A lot like Hasselblad has done for years with their medium format digital uh, digital camera bodies where you buy the camera one time and yeah, maybe depending on which model you get, you may be paying up to $30,000 for a Hasselblad body, but... Chances are you're never going to buy another camera again as long as you live. You're going to keep that one. You're going to use it for years and years and years, and they're going to continually release major software updates for the camera that basically give you new features, new functions, new, ca- new capabilities, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, they're basically like a computer, and you're just out upgrading the operating system to get new features that the hardware was already capable of but wasn't in the original software because it took time to flesh it all out. It's just the nature of the beast. All right, now the next bit of news I want to talk about in this episode is the arrival of Canon's new mirrorless lenses for their RF mount bodies, the EOS R and RP. So Canon's mirrorless lenses have been esoteric, exquisite, and some of them ridiculously expensive, as I've mentioned in previous episodes. I still have no idea why the 50 millimeter 1.2L. Even though it's got better glass in it, it's got newer technology behind it, all that good stuff, I still don't understand why they feel that warrants a $1,000 higher price tag than the 50mm 1.2L for the EF mount. And they did the same thing with the RF-28-70 F2. It's like $1,300 more expensive than the 24-70 F2.8L that's already on the market. And yet, other lenses that they released, and I've given this example before, their standard 35mm non-L um, F1.8 sells for the same price as their EF 35mm F2. And again, the same thing with their 24-105 to 105 IS F4 L lens. Both the EF and the RF models sell for the exact same price. So the pricing on the RF lenses has been really confusing for me from the beginning, and I can't seem to get any answers from anybody on Canon's side. I've reached out to several people at Canon, and nobody has really gotten back to me with a with a decent answer on it. Um, so I guess we'll never find out. Um, but as I mentioned, you know the RF twenty eight to seventy f two is an amazing lens. There's no doubt about that. So is the fifty millimeter RF one point two L. Everybody that has used either of these lenses clamor about how amazing the quality of the images are that you get with them. But again, I do not see where they get the ridiculously higher price tag from. So, if you're a photographer who's more used to the standard 24 70 f2.8, you'll be pleased to hear that Canon launched exactly that lens with availability in late September of 2019. One pleasant surprise is that the lens will have image stabilization, something Canon shooters have been clamoring for in the twenty-four seventy f/2.8 for years. It also comes with three ultra-low dispersion elements, three aspherical elements, and air sphere coating, as well as a customizable control ring. Of course, it will also feature nine aperture blades and twenty-one elements in fifteen groups, while coming in at a more manageable one point nine eight pounds and 22 dollars for the price tag, and there is a link where you can pre-order that lens. I'll make sure I include the link in the show notes for anybody that might be interested. Along with the 24-70 to RF 2.8 LIS USM lens will come the RF 15-35 to F2.8 LIS USM, the wide-angle component of the standard F2 zoom Holy Trinity. This lens will feature image stabilization as well, along with 9 aperture blades, 16 elements in 12 groups, and a weight of 1.85 pounds. It is currently expected to cost $22.99 as well, and will be available in late September, along with the 24 70 f2.8. It also comes with two ultra-low dispersion elements, three aspherical elements, and air-sphere coating, as well as the customizable control ring, and I will include the link in the show notes where you can pre-order yours if you're interested in placing your order today. All right, in the next segment, because I don't want to be getting hate mail from the Sony lovers out there, Sony unveils new flagship A6600 and entry-level A6100 APS-C cameras. After weeks of rumors and speculation and leaked specs, Sony has finally unveiled the two APS-C mirrorless cameras we've been expecting for a while now. The flagship Sony A6600 with IBIS and a bigger battery, and the entry-level Sony A6100 for photographers and vloggers on a budget. The hero product from today's announcement was no doubt the long-awaited Sony A6600 the flagship APS-C mirrorless camera officially replaces the Sony A6500 and boasts all of the latest autofocus technology that was missing from its precursor. Inside, you'll find the same 24-megapixel APS-C sensor with Bionez X image processor, 425-point hybrid autofocus system with 84% frame coverage, and a flip-up 3-inch 921K dot touchscreen LCD that you'll find on the A6400 and the A6100. That means the same 11 frame per second burst shooting with autofocus and auto exposure, the latest real-time tracking AF, and the ability to record oversampled 4K 30p video with full pixel readout in a super 35mm format. Now, what sets the a6600 apart from the rest of the lineup is its magnesium alloy body, five-axis in-body image stabilization, the ability to use real-time eye-detect autofocus during video shooting, the inclusion of mic and headphone jacks, and a larger grip that houses Sony's much improved Z battery. And, they do have, uh, as part of the announcement, a video, which I will include in the show notes for this episode. The Sony A6600 will begin shipping in November, but you can already pre-order it for $1400 for the body only, or $1800 in a kit with the Sony 18-135mm lens. For some sample photos and hands-on first impressions from Sony Alpha Ambassadors, I will share a post from Alpha Universe also in the show notes. By comparison, the Sony A6100 doesn't offer as many professional-grade features but the internals of this entry-level APS-C mirrorless camera are still quite powerful. Like the A6400 and the 6600 the Sony A6100 boasts a 24-megapixel APS-C sensor, Bionz X image processor, and a 425-point hybrid autofocus system with 84% frame coverage. It, too, can shoot at up to 11 frames per second, With autofocus tracking, features a 3-inch flip-up touchscreen LCD, oversampled 4K video recording with full pixel readout, and Sony's real-time tracking autofocus system is included as well. Where it falls short of its more expensive sibling is the 1.44 million dot EVF, down from 2.36 million in the A6400 and A6600 and a slightly lower ISO range that maxes out at 51,200 instead of 102,400. Not that anybody would use ISO that large. Like the A6400, you'll get a mic jack, but no headphone jack, and since this isn't flagship level, you can't use IAF during video recording, and there is also no in-body image stabilization. Now, I will also include the link to the video from Sony on the A6100, so you'll be able to check that out as well. There's not a ton separating the $750 6100 from the $900 Sony 6400, making it a good option for budget-friendly amateurs and vloggers who don't mind Sony cutting a few corners as long as the photos and the footage aren't affected. To that end, if you're interested in the Sony A6100, you can pre-order yours today for $750 for the body only, $850 in a kit with Sony 16-50mm to lens, and $1,100 in a two-lens kit with the Sony 16 to 50 and the 55-210mm to lenses combined. The A6100 will begin shipping in October of this year. So, after reading this article, I know there's a lot of Sony shooters out there. They're going to be excited. They're going to be anxious to pre-order these uh, a- either one of these cameras, depending on what their needs are. They do look fantastic. I watched the uh, the official videos from Sony. They look very impressive. And with the 6100 having a price tag of $750 for the body, only that's not bad. Although, I think it's going to get harder for Sony because... As I mentioned in an earlier episode when it was first announced and released, Canon came out with the EOS RP, which is still full-frame and sells for only $1,200. Now, granted, $1,200 is several hundred dollars more expensive than $750, but there are rumors circulating that Canon is pushing to release a full-frame mirrorless body for the $1,000 price point, or maybe a little bit below that, $900. And if that happens, it's going to be a lot harder for somebody that currently shoots Sony to stick with the A6100 for 750 and get a crop body camera, when for $150 more, they could get full frame from Canon. So that's going to create some interesting controversy, I think, in the mirrorless camera world. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I know a lot of Sony shooters, are they're called Sony fanboys and girls for a reason, because they're diehard Sony and... They'll never switch away from Sony no matter what, but I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see how tempted somebody might be if it comes down to, well, do I get the latest Sony crop body for $750, or do I buy the latest Canon full-frame mirrorless for $150 more and go full-frame? Definitely some food for thought. Whether or not that sub thousand dollar full frame camera does materialize from Canon, we'll have to wait and see. But it is something that is worth pondering, something to definitely to think about. Now, the last segment for this week, uh, last item I wanted to talk about is also for the Canon shooter, or sorry, for the Sony shooters out there. Sam Yang launches an ultra compact 18 millimeter f2.8 lens for the Sony E mount. Now, Samyang slash Rokinon has announced a new ultra-compact, ultra-wide-angle Prime for Sony full-frame mirrorless cameras. At just 145 grams light, 2 inches long, and 500 bucks, the new Samyang AF 18mm f2.8 lens is the most compact, lightweight, and affordable super-wide-angle full-frame lens for the Sony E-mount. Despite its diminutive size, the Samyang Rokinon AF 18mm f/2.8 offers a ridiculous—excuse <laughs> rit- <laughs> me retic-linear <clears throat> rit- 100.1-degree angle of view when used on Sony's full-frame mirrorless cameras. Attach it to the new Sony A6600, and the lens crops to a narrower but still pretty wide 27mm with a 76.2-degree angle of view. Optically, the lens was designed with nine multicoded elements in eight groups, including three aspherical, two high refractive index, and three extra-low dispersion elements to keep distortion and aberration in check, even at 18 millimeters. The lens's minimum, minimum fo- focus distance is just 9.8 inches, and it boasts a stepless STM motor for quiet and smooth focus performance and they have some great images here, the lens close-up images of the lens. I will uh, include the link to this article in the show notes so you can check them out for yourself, and it does also include some sample images captured by Samyang Rokinon ambassadors showing different types of photography that they've captured with this lens, from landscape to astrophotography to seascapes, all kinds of beautiful images here. And like I said, I'll I'll include the uh, the link to this article in the show notes. This is from petapixel.com. To learn more about this lens and to see more sample images, visit the Samyang website, which again, I'll include in the show notes. The Samyang Rokinon AF 18mm f2.8 lens will begin shipping in October, but you can pre-order it today for $500. Now, I must say, um, to be honest, lately I've been extremely impressed with Sam slash Rokinon's lenses. As many of you are aware, I've mentioned in previous episodes, a few months ago I uh, purchased the, the uh, Rokinon MF 14mm f2.8 RF mount lens for my EOS R, and I use that every day for my full-time real estate photography job. It is a fantastic lens. It's a little bit of a bummer that it doesn't have any electronics in it, like their lenses for Sony always do. Uh, I guess maybe Rokinon doesn't have the same kind of relationship with Canon or Nikon, possibly, that they have with Sony, and that's the reasoning behind it. Um, But I am very impressed with my lens. It may be manual only, but as I've said before, with the focus peaking turned on in the EOS R, it's not a problem. It's easy to make sure your shots are in focus all the time. And especially when I'm doing real estate work, I'm always shooting at f8, so pretty much everything's going to be, you know, everything's going to stay evenly in focus across the entire viewing angle or viewing window of the lens as you're taking your shot. So no worries there. I've been extremely impressed with that lens so much so that Rokinon had asked me after I did a review of their 14 millimeter lens and provided some sample images that they could put on their official Instagram, they asked me to also check out their new 85mm RF mount lens for the EOS R&RP, and, and that is another amazing, amazing lens. Again, manual-only lens, but man, does that thing make some beautiful images. I've been extremely impressed with both my Rokinon lenses, and I think most shooters will be impressed with the stuff they offer for the, the Sony e mount. This lens looks extremely promising. There's some fantastic sample images here. I don't see where anybody could go wrong buying this ultra wide 18 millimeter f2.8 lens with the full autofocus system in it for their, can- or for their Sony e mount system. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong. Now, I'm not sure off the top of my head what Sony is currently charging or what size uh, uh, wide angle lenses they have for their e mount system. Now, I did pause the recording to do a quick look on uh, on Sony.com for their lens selection, what they offer. Um, they do have a 16mm f2.8. Um, it's E-mount, but it says for APS-C format only, and that one's $224.99. So, it looks like you might be better off with the uh, with the Rokinon in this case, or the Samyang lens, because yeah, it's 18 millimeters, but at least you can use it on both the full frame and the APS C e-mount bodies without any issues. So I think this lens is going to be really exciting for uh, a really exciting new entry for the Sony shooters out there. And I'd be interested to hear if any of my listeners that are Sony shooters do uh, go ahead and pre order this lens. And when it comes in and you've tried it out for a little bit, reach out to me and let me know how you like it. Let me know if it performs the way you would expect a quality lens to perform on your Sony email body. I would absolutely love to hear that. Now, you could post uh, a comment in the Facebook group about this lens, or you could either leave a voicemail or send a text to 470-294-8191. That is the phone number for the show. That number, again, is 470-294-8191, or you could shoot an email to liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. All right, I am going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode of the Liam Photography Podcast, episode 34. I want to once again thank all my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iTunes and anywhere else you might be listening to the show. Please share the show out with your friends and family on social media. Ask them to give it a listen and give it a rating if you would be so kind still trying to build up the audience more. We haven't been doing too bad, but I'd like to see it grow a little bit faster than it has been. I know it takes quite a bit of time to build up a podcast and build up a decent-sized audience. I'd like it if, you know, if we could pull off doing it before the two to five-year mark with this show, but I guess only time will tell there. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Uh, Feel free to join the Liam Photography Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook. Now, you do have to answer one question in order to join the group because it is a closed group. But that question is what is the name of the host of the show? And you can simply put Liam or Liam Douglas, either one will get you in. Once you're a member of the group, you're allowed to post up to five photos per 24 hour period. You can either break them up and post them one at a time throughout the day or you're welcome to post all five at once and let Facebook do its little photo slideshow thing for you. You're welcome to ask for creative criticism on your images by saying, CC please. And please, whatever you do, do not share other people's work. Even if you have permission, we do not want to see that. Only post your own original work. That's what we like to see. And we always love to see other photographers, whether you're a pro or a hobbyist or an an amateur. We're always happy to see your work and give you pointers on, you know, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what you can tweak, what you can improve. It's all a process, people. We all learn together in the photography world. And hopefully uh, we can help you master your skills as a photographer, whether you're doing it for a living or just as a hobby that you enjoy. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, and I will see you again next week in episode 35.